Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Thanks for being with us this Friday, January 20th, 2023. Got the full team here with uh, Chief Producer Bill and Associate Producer David. And uh, hopefully we'll have a little bit of fun. Uh, David, got a lapel pin. We'll talk about what that says in a few moments uh, in a couple break, in a, after the break. Have some fun with that. And uh, a new segment I want to try on Fridays with the producers. What did you learn this week? That could be an additional level of fun. Maybe throw it open to the audience, too. Did you learn anything interesting this week? 602-508-0960 is the number. 602-5080-960. I closed the show yesterday, uh, last couple of hours, talking education. And uh, we did so uh, originally or initially with an interview with John Hinderocker from Powerline, who had posted about new requirements uh, uh, for uh, teacher certification in Minnesota, that is K-12 through uh, elementary and secondary teachers in Minnesota. And uh, the kicker in this uh, proposal is, quote, consistent with the local curriculum and state and local academic standards, the teacher will demonstrate the ability to create opportunities for students to learn about power, privilege, intersectionality, and systemic oppression in the context of our various communities and empowers learners to be agents of social change to promote equity. Um, that's obviously a, a mouthful of, 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 of left-wing um, desiderata, multicultural left-wing anti-Western civilization desiderata. And it was on my mind still coming into the studio today as I was thinking about the long path of this week. Covered a lot. We started with Martin Luther King Jr. Day and uh, went through a little bit more of the document uh, scandal with President Biden. He added uh, to his troubles today by saying in California, with Gavin Newsom standing right behind him, interestingly enough, you've got to wonder what was going through Gavin Newsom's mind. Uh, Joe Biden famously saying there's no there there, which sounds eerily like uh, a president who was inaugurated 30 years ago today. Bill Clinton, doesn't it? There's I did not have it, it's just very odd. He would say there's no there there. And then he said, I have no regrets, which I think is a lie. I, I, I can't imagine he has no regrets about what happened with the documents here. At least maybe he would regret blasting Donald Trump on 60 Minutes or regret the app. Lowest level negligence uh, for having these documents in these uh, disparate places. In any event, um, we covered that and then we ended a little bit with education. And it's a, 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 it's a reminder of how fast we do move um, here. I talked about how while the press conferences with Karin Jean-Pierre on the document story were at uh, furious heat Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday – uh, not today. Um, and they really didn't make a lot of the news headlines um, or newspapers uh, throughout the country or even the evening news. They were merely cable television spectacles. So while we thought that the mainstream media was doing a big turn on Joe Biden, maybe that needs to be tempered a little bit. But again, this notion of how fast and far we can travel in a few days, it'll be interesting to see if it's of any news next week. But you know, the Martin Luther King holiday, let me, let me spend a minute on that that we commemorated on Monday. I gave a big talk on Martin Luther King on this show on Monday and what we should remember and what we should have learned from him and his legacy. There's a tradition um, 
there's a religious tradition in Judaism that uh, on the Sabbath, which uh, Jews are committed to commencing tonight at sundown, of course, and then it ends Saturday night every sundown, every Saturday night, every sundown, that some of the more orthodox will try and extend it just a little bit. They won't end it immediately uh, at sundown so that they can carry the uh, beauty or the magic of the or the holiness of the Sabbath just as as far as as they can possibly do so without, uh, you know, breaking the uh, breaking the laws. And um, in that in that notion, in that thought or tradition, I just thought maybe maybe it's worth giving Martin Luther King a little more due today on some of these issues. And that maybe just a one off day of celebration where most people probably aren't really thinking about Martin Luther King on the Martin Luther King holiday. Probably most people are not. I might be interesting to think about in your own world if you weren't listening to this broadcast or maybe one other that was talking about the import of Martin Luther King. How many of you did reflect on him, that the federal holiday name? If anything, most of the stories were about this statue that was built to him in Boston. Did you see this? It was unveiled in Boston and it got a lot of criticism and it received a lot of ridicule. And, you know, that's that's really the fault and problem of postmodern art or post postmodern art. Um, some uh, some uh, sculptor uh, had an idea of making an ingenious concept and it looked weird. It just looked weird. The concept was the embrace from the uh, torso up of Martin Luther King and his wife, Coretta Scott King, embracing, hugging. I think the name of the sculpture, the name of the piece of work, the sculpture is the embrace. Uh, and the idea was just to have their torsos and arms embracing one another, taken from a photograph of when Martin Luther King received the Nobel Peace Prize. You know, as someone else was remarking, who was it? Maybe Adam uh, was remarking, you know, if you want to avoid ridicule, and if you want to get people to focus on the real point of a monument to Martin Luther King, why not just make a monument and a sculpture of Martin Luther King? Or if you wanted him and his wife, fine, him and his wife. Why make it weird? Why make it weird? Well, it's getting me back to this notion I opened up with. Um, if you want schools and education and a trained and thoughtful population, why are we converting a public education system into weirdness? Why is it a matter of certification for teachers that they learn about power and demonstrate the ability to create opportunities for students to be instructed on, quote, privilege, intersectionality, and systemic oppression in the context of various communities that empowers learners to be agents of social change and promotion of equity? Equity was not, by the way, a word Martin Luther King Jr. would have been familiar with. He quoted he quoted the um, Declaration of Independence on and on and on um, with the word equality, not its perversion, equity. But this is part of the march that's been going on for about 40 years now with the effort to get rid of Western civilization, which began at Stanford University in earnest in 1987 
with the chance of, hey, hey, ho, ho, Western Civ has got to go and the elimination of the Western Civilization Education Program and Project there, that then swept through the rest of the nation because California tends to be the trendsetter in almost all things cultural. And it got me to thinking about what Martin Luther King might have thought of that. Um, He gave a famous speech. I wonder how many people read it anymore. I wonder how many people think about it anymore at his alma mater, Crozier Elementary. And what it was was a tribute to Western civilization. This is where he learned about notions of justice, even perhaps notions of civil disobedience. He learned them from the tradition of education that came from the very thing our modern education system is trying to get rid of. In his speech, he said he began his, quote, serious intellectual quest for a method to eliminate social evil by turning to a serious study of the social and ethical theories of the great philosophers from Plato, excuse me, from Plato and Aristotle down to Rousseau, Hobbes, Bentham, Mill, and Locke, John Locke. All of these masters, he went on to say, quote, stimulated my thinking, such as it was, and while finding things to question in each of them, I nevertheless learned a great deal from their study. That's what Martin Luther King said. That's what made Martin Luther King's intellect, according to him, if you think it's important to understand him as he spoke and as he understood himself, please now try and grasp a society that at once tries to celebrate him at the same time destroying the very thing that he saluted was his greatest instructor and instruction. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960, Open Line Fridays. We'll have George Kaloff joining us in the uh, next hour to talk politics of the week. Uh, but anything on your mind that you'd like to uh, talk to, I was inaugurating a new segment on this show for Fridays now that we, uh, now that we have two producers, uh, which is uh, What Did You Learn This Week? And uh, I thought that might be fun to see. Uh, what uh, young uh, David and young Bill might pick up on uh, this week. Uh, David, would you like to weigh in on anything you learned especially interesting this week? Or Bill, would you like to weigh in on anything you learned particularly interesting this week? David, go right ahead. Um, Did I catch you on? Did I catch it? Second inauguration. (laughs) What, what, what? I said 50 years ago, it was Richard Nixon's second inauguration. Richard Nixon's second inauguration was 50 years ago. That you learned... That's something you learned this week or you thought of. Yes, it came to me this morning when I saw it. (laughs) All right. Well, I mean, it is kind of an inauguration week. Uh, Bill Clinton was inaugurated. Did you uh, listen to the uh, Nixon? Did you read the Nixon inauguration speech? I I read a bit of the second inauguration speech where um, I I saw a very funny video where they panned to Ted Kennedy when he – Almost said a Kennedyism. <laughs> yeah. Well, so this was uh, nineteen. The the inauguration would have been nineteen seventy three, right? Mm-hmm. And what Kennedy is probably thinking at this point is, I could have run against this guy for president if I didn't drive that car over the bridge. Yep. That, that's probably what he was thinking. He would have probably have been the nominee. 
uh, against uh, probably he would have been the nominee against Richard Nixon in 1972. Instead, do you remember who the Democrat was? George McGovern. Well done, sir. Well done, sir. All right. We'll circle back. Anything else on Nixon you would like to say or anything else on the week? Do we have anything from the other producer? Yes, I, it's Bill's turn now. Bill, what did you learn this week? Anything? Sports, culture, history, politics, news? Oh, Seth, I learned this week that it doesn't Technology. take me— Technology. Oh, sure. Thanks for the setup. I can go in many different directions <laughs> now. Um, it doesn't take a long time away from something I love, even if it's my favorite thing in the world, to have forgotten just how great it is. It can be a movie or a, 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 my favorite band— I like this. Yeah, so if you're listening to a song that you remember liking within the first few notes, you remember why you liked it kind of thing. Yeah, and even during the time away, I know I love it. You know, it's still in my mind, but then I come back to it, maybe play it again, and, oh, it, it really is this great. I wonder where the phrase absence makes the heart go font, grow fonder comes from. Is it Shakespeare? It might be. I well, thought it was a Shakespeare. Yeah, it sounds yeah. Shakespearean. Can you check it out while I while I dialogue with Bill for a quick second on this? Was it, in fact, a song that made you think of that this week? It was a movie clip. What movie? The Big Lebowski. Aha. Uh-huh. I had it with a movie this week, too. Did you? Yeah, or this past weekend. I, uh, I have like five, a pantheon of five favorite movies. And uh, one of them, and I think the one I... Well, I don't know if I know it the best. Uh, three out of the five I probably know is uh, – I could almost do the script. But one of them is um, The Graduate uh, with Dustin Hoffman. And uh, I was re-watching it this weekend. And within the opening scene, I had that exact – I know exactly what you meant. Within the opening scene and those first guitar strings of Simon and Garfunkel when he's landing in Los Angeles on the airplane, it, it, it all came back to me. And, yeah, it is. It doesn't, it doesn't take a lot. It How long do you usually go in between viewings? Uh, I hadn't seen it probably in about four years, I would say. Wow. Yeah. It's a long time, but you know you can always come back to it. Yeah. Was it, it probably wasn't that long for you with The Big Lebowski, huh? You know what? Actually, a full-length movie, yes, yeah. it's been that long. I'm due for a viewing myself. Yeah. Were we right, David? Was it Shakespeare? Uh, no, actually. It's much older than Shakespeare. Oh, good. Absence makes the heart grow fonder was first coined in Latin by the Roman poet Sextus Aurelius Preparatus around 50 B.C. Wow. In a work titled Elegies. There. Now we could all answer something we learned this week if we came unarmed to this question. (laughs) There we go. We learned we could store it for next week. Nicely done, guys. Okay, I think that segment worked very well for us. I think it went very well. At least as an initial, we'll improve on it as we go. But I think we all learned we've got a little cultural education, a little uh, mnemonic and memory education, and a little uh, political history. Uh, Richard Nixon was a hell of an orator, is what um, your point makes me think of, David. And um, if you want to get a sense of it, uh, if you want to get a sense of how great an orator he could be, uh, we have different memories of Nixon now. But – I often tell people – I study rhetoric, obviously. I used to be in the speechwriting business and that sort of thing, dabble in it now and again. Um, so I, I, I listen to great speeches, or I used to, and, and study them. And um, if you want to get a sense of the breadth of what he was capable of, which is the breadth of the tragedy, too, of Richard Nixon because his career ended in massive failure and scandal – um, go to your favorite video browser, be it YouTube or any other one, 
and look at his farewell speech to the White House staff. It's not the resignation speech to the nation that he did on national TV the night prior, but his speech right before he departs the White House um, where he gives a – it must be about – it's probably about 15 or 16 minutes – one of the greatest orations in uh, modern memory – uh, and extemporaneous. I think he only took out one note to read a quote from Teddy Roosevelt, if I'm not mistaken. But it is a, a beautiful speech. It is a autobiographical speech, and it ends on a such a such a subtle point where he is conveying the lesson to his staff um, that was the lesson he never learned about self-destruction. It's a lesson about hate. And um, it's it's a fad. have you seen the speech date? You're looking at me like you might be familiar. Yes, with I'm it. very familiar. Where he talks of his father, yeah. and of anger, yeah, and of anger, and how others may ha- and hate, right? Others may hate you, and he has that great line in there. Uh, only until you've been, in, you, you you can't understand the beauty of the highest of mountaintops until you've walked through the lowest of valleys. And a little speech about uh, a little thing on uh, Teddy Roosevelt and the loss of his wife and how he thought the lights went out. Uh, in his life, it's a beautiful, beautiful. I mean, he hits all the right chords at one of his lowest moments, probably the lowest moment in his life. Um, and it's kind of fun to watch some of the audience. You can recognize some of the people in that audience, the White House, the senior White House staff, whether it's Henry Kissinger. I think I see you can see Herb Klein in there. Al Haig. Al Haig. Uh, did I say Herb Klein? I meant Herb Stein. I'm sorry. Ben Stein's dad. Uh, Herb Stein, you you know the comedian and the writer uh, Ben Stein. Remember when Ben Stein's money? He was actually a speechwriter for Richard Nixon. Did you know that? He was a speechwriter for mm-hmm. Richard Nixon in the White House, and his dad was his uh, economic advisor. Um, you know who else was a writer for Richard Nixon after he resigned? Two other people you might have you might have heard of. Um, one of them is a man named Hugh Hewitt. Yeah, Hugh Hewitt spent a lot of time with Nixon in um, in California and did some work on some of his books and some of his speeches with the old man, as he calls him. All right, that was fun. I want to do some more on education when we come back, but anything on your mind? 602-508. Diane Sawyer was the other one I said, too. Diane Sawyer, yeah. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Is that Laura Branigan? I've always liked the way she says Gloria. It's not the way most people say Gloria. Gloria. It's almost a misheard lyric, which would be known as the word for a misheard lyric, Mondegreen, right? A Mondegreen. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Mike is in Scottsdale. Hello, Mike. Hi there. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? Good. So, so my point was that we have to stoop to their level and maybe even go below their level. The left, you mean? America is at stake. Whose here. level, Mike? Whose level? The left, you mean? Whoever, yeah, what, the left level. Yeah, whatever. Whatever dirty trick they do, do, do a dirtier trick. Oh, okay. If we say, oh, we're going to be the bigger party, we're going to do the right thing, and then we're going to be socialist. In respect to what, though, for example? Like, give me a for instance. Whatever, whatever they want to do. What do they want to do? Abortion? On demand, uh, you know, whatever their platform is, green, green, uh, 
Well, we we resist it, right? I mean, we we have worked we have worked since 1974 to get Roe versus Wade overturned. We finally did it. If it comes to the Green New Deal, we or any kind of green policies, we oppose those, right? We're doing all right on this front. But now here's the thing: in in New Jersey, they're killing whales, right? Whales are washing up on the shore. Because oh, is this the wind farm issue? Yes, and they're worried about a smelt, a little fish in Mm -hmm. California. But Mm -hmm. we're killing whales in New Jersey. Yeah. Well, I don't know how we. I mean, it should yeah. be, we we should be outraged over that. Well, you know, I I I am outraged over it, and I saw on Fox News that they were you know pressing on Greenpeace to say something about some of these things. I you know I I I I think we agree. I think we might be in fierce agreement. I think we we well, are in fierce agreement. I mean, you were talking yesterday about David Crosby dying. I mentioned I that he died not, yesterday. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I was I, I was I was not sad by that. Um, Reason being, I mean, when these, you know, take like De Niro, for example, when he speaks out against Trump, right? Yeah. Then he's picked the side in that case. Sure. So he's basically alienated half the audience. Yep. So I, I'll never watch anything by De Niro again for the rest of my life. I understand the point. if I see him, ever I, see him in public, I understand. I know I understand the point. I, I, I definitely do. Although you would not want to say that you're glad that, you know, ill happens to a fellow human being. I don't think that's where we want to be. I think we want to wish everyone well and wish everyone some form of uh, possible repentance or some possible turn of head. Look, um, let's let's apply it to politics. I, yeah, we don't we, we don't want to be so filled with hate that we we wish we wish we, we you know, we wish people die. I, gosh, knows that would not be the place for 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 us here. But I, I let's let's take this point and move it just further along a little bit, Mike, as as we're going into and there's beginning to be a lot of talk now about the 2024 presidential race and various Republicans are talking about getting in the race. And, of course, uh, the big discussion is whether, you know, Joe Biden is up for it and whether, you know, they're going to have to replace him with Kamala Harris or Gavin Newsom or someone like that. Uh, It it would be good for us to keep in mind that in a country uh, split and divided so much as we are, about a third Republican, give or take. We'll talk about this with George. A third Democrat, give or take, and a third kind of in the middle, give or take, not sure, kind of independence. Um, we can't win if we don't seek converts. We can't win if we're not evangelizing for our point of view and trying to convince people to join our side. We will never be in power. We will never be able to resist these policies you abhor or dislike or hate even Uh, If we don't get people to come to our side, I have no doubt that there were probably viewers in um, America, moviegoers in America that disliked Ronald Reagan campaigning for FDR. I know for a fact from history that there were a lot of people who who, uh, who, you know, considered and I would be one of them, uh, FDR a socialist and that. You know, Ronald Reagan or, for that matter, Frank Sinatra, uh, who campaigned for FDR, uh, would have been dismissed probably by a lot of moviegoers uh, and concert goers in America in those days. While I understand the sentiment, thank God we never gave up on him. Thank God. Right. Right. They made our party better.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. It's a good time of year to start the year off by securing the value of your investments, cash reserves, by guarding them against what many are predicting will be a brutal year for the value of the dollar and the stock market this year. The economic signs are indeed worrisome, which is why I recommend calling veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to safeguard your money and wealth with the stability of gold. Gold holds its value when economies fail, and with stocks and bonds crashing as they did last year, gold held its value. Those who converted to gold with Midas Gold Group created a hedge against inflation. Trust the only precious metals dealer, Seb Gorka, and I and thousands of you already trust. That's the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or better yet, give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. I was talking a little bit earlier um, about education, and I was talking a little bit about education invoking Martin Luther King a little bit. It's hard to say, and and I don't like the game because history doesn't reveal its alternatives, um, of what would so-and-so say if he were alive today or if she were alive today. But you do have to consider the coalition that Martin Luther King did build around civil rights and the importance he gave to the issue of education And you have to look at another story that gained a lot of steam this week, and it's the story out of Fairfax County, Virginia, where you had public schools engaging in something that harms the students, harms the students' abilities to succeed, and disproportionately fell on and affected Asian American students. Just as when you look at the case before the Supreme Court right now against Harvard and their affirmative action policies disproportionately negatively affecting Asian-American students. How is it that certain races or ethnicities in this country become preferred and certain races and ethnicities in this country uh, become uh, not preferred uh, can 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 be subsumed and can be um, discriminated against without pangs of conscience. It is testament to a notion that Thurgood Marshall argued before the Supreme Court in the Brown versus Board of Education case of 1954. When he said, when you treat one race with privilege, of course, then he was talking about the white race, you ipso facto and automatically have to treat other races as less so, with less rights. To privilege a certain race is to underprivilege and decimate and discriminate against another. That's what is taking place at Harvard in the case against them before the Supreme Court today because of their racial preference scheme. Asians are getting the wrong end of the stick and a raw deal. And that is what is taking place at the high school levels in Virginia, Fairfax County, Virginia, with these elite high schools like Thomas Jefferson High, which is, I say elite, a public school. 
you often will hear me say some public schools are better than private schools. Thomas Jefferson High is as good a school as you can find, except for its race and demerit policies. Jim Garrity has a very touching piece in National Review on it that I didn't want to let go by. He writes that you've probably heard that here in Fairfax County, the county I'm typing my newsletter in, a bunch of local high schools failed to inform students of their national merit scholarship recognition in time for important college scholarship and admission deadlines. Whether by negligence or explicit intent, school administrators in the district denied their most academically exceptional students the status and recognition provided by the prestigious scholarship, just as those students were filling their college applications. The Governor Glenn Youngkin is spitting fire, and our State Attorney General, Jason Mieris, has launched an investigation to determine if the schools violated the rights of their students. One of the local papers reviewed the data and determined that, yes, the students who weren't being told of their achievements were overwhelmingly Asian American. An analysis by Fairfax County Times reveals that an estimated 75% of the National Merit semifinalists are of Asian heritage, validating the questions raised in the new civil rights investigation by the Virginia Attorney General. In fact, at Marshall High School, another school that this took place in, 71% of National Merit semifinalists were Asian American. A multi-school effort to sabotage the ambitions of students who are mostly Asian American fits with the philosophy at work among some of the county school administrators who have treated the high achievement of these students as a problem to be solved instead of an accomplishment to be celebrated. One of the schools which failed to notify the students was Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology, which is arguably, as he writes, perhaps the best public high school in America. The school boasts state-of-the-art facilities, a low student-to-teacher ratio, and lots of kids heading off to the Ivy Leagues. Back in 2013, Thomas Jefferson students helped build a satellite that NASA sent into space. Alumni have gone on to become federal judges, CEOs, Hollywood screenwriters, Rhodes Scholars, and one even ended up as the governor of New Hampshire. It's the MIT of public high schools. Unsurprisingly, lots of parents around here would love to see their kids get into Thomas Jefferson. One of the best parts of living in Fairfax County is that you are surrounded by parents who are extremely invested in education. Also, one of the worst parts is that you are surrounded by parents who are extremely invested in the education of children and who make that a priority. This is definitely an environment that cultivates type A personalities for good and for ill. We can all appreciate what he's talking about there. The school admits students who are residents of Arlington County, Fairfax County, and the and the area. Each year, 2,500 to 3,400 middle school students apply, and anywhere from about 480 to 500 students are accepted, an acceptance rate that ranges from 14 to 21%. Keep in mind, just to apply, a student must have completed a full-year course of algebra run, be enrolled in honors science, and have a 3.5 or higher GPA in all core academic courses. It will probably not shock you to learn that for a long time the student population was heavily Asian American, sometimes more than 70%. We can argue about why this is the case, but there is no disputing that many Asian American families drill into their kids the importance of a good education, studying, hard work, and setting the bar 
high. Let me give you the conclusion of his point when we come right back. If you are worried about stock market volatility, why refi has an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market. A portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, you can compound it, whatever you choose. And there is no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. This is a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate up to 10.25%. That's right, 10.25%. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, investyrefi.com, or give them a call at 888 888- why refi 34 that's 888 why refi 34 i'm reading this story about thomas jefferson high is related by jim garrity at national review who tried to get his child into thomas jefferson and he said my teenager didn't get in which was fine all i wanted to see was a swing for the fences but under the new rules the numbers moved in the direction the school administration the school administration likely wants to see in the 20 20- 2020-2021 school year, Thomas Jefferson's student body was almost 72% Asian American. In the 2021-2022 school year, that figure dropped to 66%. African Americans increased from 1.7% to 3.2%, Latinos from 3 to 5.4, and whites from 18.3 to 19.6. In case you're wondering, The overall demographics of the county are 63% white, 10% black, 20% Asian, and 16% Latino. Running for president in 1992, Bill Clinton promised that he would have a cabinet that looks like America. After Clinton assembled his cabinet, Rush Limbaugh quipped that the president believed America looked like a group of Ivy League-educated lawyers. We want, Jim writes, an environment where every child is given the opportunity to succeed, and we want to see every child thrive but not every child is going to achieve at the same level at some point some people running this country's schools became embarrassed and bothered by the fact that its top high school was so heavily asian american it accepted the best of the best but the student body didn't look like fairfax county to make the school look like fairfax county the school would have to dramatically cut down on the number of asian americans accepted and dramatically increase the number of whites blacks and latinos The only way to get the school to look more like the county would be to reject a significant number of Asian-American students who had earned their way in and accept a significant number of students with other backgrounds who hadn't met the criteria that was established. For anyone who believes in merit, that approach is absurd. But apparently, to a lot of educators, that just makes sense. In their minds, certain groups must be punished because of their ethnicity, and certain groups, including whites, must be given a leg up or a lower bar because of the color of their skin. That's not what MLK fought for. Not even close. We're backtracking. I hope the Attorney General sues the hell out of them.